Red Sox win the final game against the Braves as Brian Bayo impresses. You are locked on Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to welcome you back into the Locked On Red Sox podcast. <clears throat> Let me start that one more time. <clears throat> I've got something in my throat. <laughs> I have to add this to the bloopers. Jeez. I want to welcome you back into the Locked On Red Sox podcast. And thank you so much for making Locked On Red Sox your first listen of every single day. I'm your host, Jake Nizuski. And here, as always, with my co host, Nessens Lauren Willand. And the Red Sox find a way to beat the Braves in the final game of their two game series. And ironically, the episode or excuse me, the game right after our last episode where we were speaking about Nick Pavetta and the possibility of Brian Bayo being the odd man out of the rotation. I think Bayo listened to the episode before his start, got motivated, needed to dominate, and really needed to show us as well as the rest of the Red Sox fans he's here to stay and he deserves to stay in the rotation. Yeah, he came out with a fire under him, and he even said after the game that, you know, that he there was a sparklet under him and he didn't want to go back to Worcester. I mean, who does when you're in this position and you know that you are capable of being a major league baseball pitcher, you're not going to want to go back to AAA. So I was very, very encouraged uh, from what we saw or by what we saw from Bayo. I thought he had really good command. Yes, he was left in a little too late, but that's no fault of his own. And also like if he's going to be in every five day starter, then yeah, I want to see him be able to get into the sixth inning. And you look at the stat line, there's really not a whole lot to complain about there. He, I think he was working the strike zone. I think he looked confident. And if he goes into every start kind of, you know, with that spark under him and almost as if he's fighting for a spot in the rotation every time he goes out there, mm-hmm. then he might be on to something here because, you know, or maybe he listened to the episode. That's fine too. <laughs> Just, you know, get a, get a little motiv- motivation and get pumped up. But yeah, I think fans should be very encouraged from Bayo's start on Wednesday, and they should look forward to his next start on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I, five days from now. <laughs> and, you know, the, the other thing, too, is when you look at his stat line, you know, the, you see the six innings allowed six hits, two earned runs, one walk, and five strikeouts. But, I mean, if he got taken out after the fifth inning, he would have thrown a shutout. And, you right. know, I, I agree with you that maybe he was left in a little bit longer than he should have. But I feel like with young pitchers, especially with somebody like Bayo who has the potential that he does and somebody who could play a big part in the Red Sox rotation down the line and for the foreseeable future of this season, you got to put him in situations where maybe he's a little bit uncomfortable and see how he reacts. I feel like with any young player, whether it's a pitcher or a hitter, being able to put them in situations that they're not 100% used to, especially on the major league level, only helps them instead of hurts them. Exactly. I think that that's exactly it. I think that, yes, he's young. Yes, he still has some developing and growing to do, but he needs to do that in real time at this point. I I don't think sending him to Worcester is going to help him by any means, and I don't think he's going to get sent to Worcester unless, you know, like we talked about yesterday, there's an injury or something just catastrophic happens. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I just, I think that he is, he's here to stay. And I think that his start on Wednesday definitely helped propel that, that narrative. And I think that Alex Cora, once the, the starting rotation looks healthy with those seven starters, he's going to have some tough decisions to make. Yes. Maybe some people are more obvious than others to go into that bullpen, 
but you look at if, if Brian Bale can keep on this, this 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 track and be consistent for the Red Sox, that's obviously good news for Boston and for Bale and bad news for opponents, but also bad news for one of his teammates. And, you know, when looking at this start, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. So we, we can always, a day later, or, you know, looking at the game, you know, after it's finished, say, you know, uh, you know, Bale probably should have been taken out uh, earlier than he was. But, you know, during the game, I mean, out of the fifth inning, there's nothing that, you know, Bayo did in those five innings, you know, of scoreless baseball where you're like, oh, yeah, you know, may- maybe he, his control is going to, you know, decline a little bit in the sixth inning. Uh, you know, maybe we should have taken him out, you know, after the fifth inning and not allowed him to go into the sixth. Nobody expected Acuna to hit a ball, you know, 460 or, you know, Eddie well. Rosario to get an RBI single. And, you know, I, I feel like as well, um, maybe they could have, you know, put, put him in this sort of situation, not against one of the best offenses in the league or one of the best teams in all of baseball in the Atlanta Braves who, you know, are red hot right now. But, you know, he, he in, especially in his comments, you know, he was up for the competition. You, you, you brought up, you know, he said, you know, a, a spark was lit under him after being sent down. But then he also said he's like, you know, now facing a Braves team, that's good. He said, I consider myself to be good myself. So I showed it tonight. And you want that confidence with any young pitcher or any young player, especially early in their career. You do. And the confidence is a huge thing. And I think that we saw a lot of that from Bayo. On Wednesday, we saw a lot of confidence come from him. And yeah, I mean, you're going up against arguably MLB's best offense. There's going to be likely runs. There's going to be balls in play. But I think Bayo went out there and really just kind of left it all in the field. He gave his best performance, I think, maybe of of his short MLB career, definitely this season. And, you know, we've, we've talked about the, the role that he can play for this team going forward. He could have the opportunity to not necessarily this year, but be a a potential ace of this staff. We're getting a nice look at the future of this team, you know, with Casas, with even Duran, he continued to hit his hot streak there and Bayo and the young guys. And it, it looks bright. And right now the Red Sox are playing good baseball and Bayo is part of that. And, you know, the other thing with Bayo that I found interesting is, you know, he he was averaging 97 miles per hour on his fastball. And, you know, throughout the beginning of this season, he's averaged 95.8 miles per hour. And so to see a little bit of an uptick of, you know, 1.2 miles per hour, you know, you don't generally see that often. You know, you, you start you started to see it dip a little bit as he got later in the game, but you expect that most times. And, you know, being able to see him, you know, pitch with a little bit more motivation with a little bit more fire. Maybe that's what did it in terms of the velocity. Uh, but as much as, you know, we saw, you know, 97 consistently from him on Wednesday, you know, adding that in with a 95 mile per hour sinker as long with his other breaking pitches. I mean, he's just getting filthier and filthier each and every single start. He is. And I think that that's going to continue to, to be a thing with Bayo. And that that's a very, very good thing. That's a good problem to have for, for him and for Alex Cora and, and the Red Sox. So I'm really looking forward to his next start, looking forward to how he um, not even bounces back, but just how he continues and maybe carry that momentum going into his next start. Yeah. And, you know, he passed a good test, whether it was intentional or not, you know, going up against the Braves, a very strong offense and a good team. And he passed. I think he, I think he passed with flying colors. And now let's, you know, let's do this against bad team. Let's teams. Let's do this against AL East teams. Let's do this against teams that any MLB team because a win is a win. And the Red Sox, they have they have a good amount of wins right now, more than I thought they'd have on May 11th. And I want this to keep going. 
and I want Bayo to, you know, to help this team get wins. Even, you know, even if he did leave after five and he had the, the, the shutout there, there's no telling how that game would have gone. But he did his job, and I feel like he's going to continue to keep doing that start after start after start. And in his next start, he's going to be facing the Mariners. And, you know, it's essentially the rotation that Cora brought up two days ago and that we talked about on our last episode, uh, you know, he's going to be going on May 17th. And that is going to be the next biggest test for him, I believe. You know, everybody was like putting a lot of stock into this start, essentially, you know, it was brought up in the Pavetta interview after his rough start, but sort of the audition. And that's a word that's been used for a month or so now. You're essentially auditioning to stay in this rotation on this team and to be looked at as a cornerstone piece for this organization for years to come. And, you know, I think the next start against the Mariners, who have been scuffling a little bit, but they still have a very powerful offense, um, could really determine, you know, what decisions Alex Cora in the front office do ultimately make, uh, you know, after, you know, Whitlock comes back and, you know, all the pieces fall into place but you know really excited to see how you know everything continues to materialize and you know also excited to continue to overanalyze you know like like it's really easy to uh when trying to guess what these different decisions will be but not only with with the start that we saw from Bayo, it was also really nice to see Kenley Jansen tack on his 400th save of his career. And he's only the seventh pitcher to record 400 saves and actually did it in the second quickest time. Uh, Francisco Rodriguez did it when he was 34 years old in 138 days. And Kenley Jansen, 35 years old with 222 days. And then, you know, the leaders in terms of saves, Mariano Rivera did it when he was 36. Trevor Hoffman, 37. Oh, I mean, what a list, first of all, and just how great of a moment for Jansen, who's, you know, who played against or played with the Braves last year and then got to celebrate, you know, not only with his teammates, but with Justin Turner and Kike Hernandez, who were they were teammates when they were with the L.A. Dodgers. So just a really cool moment of, you know, lots of hugs. He had a video tribute in the clubhouse with messages from old Dodgers teammates and including Clayton Kershaw and then. They, I think he had a guitar as well. It was just a really cool celebration. And you could just tell just the genuine happiness and the genuine love for the game in his messages that he posted on Twitter and just how everyone was excited around him. And I was cracking up when Alex Cora was like, I wanted them to stop scoring runs because I wanted him to get the <laughs> save. Like, of course, you want the runs. But right. you had, you know, Casas and, you know, um, uh, Rymel Tapia also contributing to the, the late inning rally there. And Alex Cora's like, nah, stop scoring runs. Stop scoring <laughs> runs this guy's got to get his save and he did and you think like that's a lot that's a lot of saves that's a lot of times to be depended on and kind of going under the radar this season is that pitch clock is not bugging him at all so he's getting you know he's looking really sharp he's looking probably better than he has in a very long time and he was worried about the pitch clock because he admitted he's a slow guy very slow pitcher and he looks I don't know if the pitch clock like revived him but I am very happy he's in a Red Sox uniform, and that's a huge accomplishment. Like you said, only the seventh player to to accomplish that feat, and here's to 400 more. And I, th- I think the other component that a lot of people forget about is we're talking about a guy who started his career as a catcher. He got signed right, as a right. catcher, not a relief pitcher, not a closer. You know, you always go back to the WBC play where, you know, he threw out a runner at second base behind the plate, and, you know, now he's, you know, being recognized as one of the best closer and 
closers in MLB history, and especially to have your name with two guys like Mariano Rivera, Trevor Hoffman, even, you know, K-Rod back in the day, uh, you know, the Mets, it was such a dominant closer. But I feel like as well, you know, this isn't as big as maybe 700 home runs or 30 or 61 home runs like we saw from Pujols and Judge last season. But I feel like with these different milestones, it's a little bit of something that's in the back of your mind uh, that that I bet Jansen is not only excited to pass, but now continue to add on to 400 and sort of put it behind him. And now, you know, mainly focused on just going out there each and every single night and dominating and not, you know, having a thing in the back of my mind. Is this 400 or is the next game 400? Exactly. You know, that's a, a milestone that that is, you know, crossed off the off the list now. And he can not that I think that that was like weighing heavy on him by any means. He's a pro's pro and he's been in you know, other situations before and you know, high leverage situations. And, you know, I think that now it's now that it's, you know, checked off, he can really maybe zero in. I mean, he hit 99 miles an hour on the radar gun on Wednesday. <laughs> I, I just think he's so locked in right now. And I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to derail that. Hopefully nothing. I don't want anything to derail that. But he's just locked in right now. And this this Red Sox fans is what it's like to have a legitimate closer on the mound. It's so relieving. Uh, uh, you know, we're going to talk about it in, in our next episode. But I, I had a lot of really tough nights last year watching the Red Sox blow leads and blow the games. You know, me, most of them were from Jake Diekman. And I wouldn't be surprised that now that the Rays just signed him, he's going to turn into this like world class closer a relief arm like the Rays always love to magically do with with their pitchers but you know it's just very nice to feel confident going into the eighth or ninth inning and knowing that you have the guys in your bullpen to shut the door but it's been not only nice to see the Sox continue to shut the door be able to win games as well and if you want to continue to watch not only the Sox win games but watch them in person game time is the best place to make that happen. I actually am going to the game uh, on Friday and got my tickets from game time. And biggest reason why I use game time, they have flash deals and last minute tickets. It's super easy to also find and buy tickets for every kind of event, you know, concerts, comedy, you know, music, sports, whatever you're interested in. And the best thing that I love about it, it shows you the images of the seat views. When I'm looking for tickets, I want to know where I'm sitting. I want to know what it looks like. I don't want to you know, walk in with my eyes closed and be like, oh, wow, I didn't expect this at all. And so really being able to know what you're spending your money on while also knowing in the back of your mind that game time is going to give you the lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss protection, and etc. So snag the tickets without stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use Locked On MLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again. Create an account and redeem the code Locked On MLB for $20 off. Download game time, game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And, you know, you brought up a little bit in the first segment talking about what the offense was able to do. But, you know, the Sox had to find a way to come back in this game, which seems to sort of be a theme uh, throughout this season. And they've found ways to be resilient time in and time out. You know, they started the game with the lead in the fourth inning. Kike Hernandez, as well as Jaron Duran, both hit RBI singles to make it two to nothing early on. And then 
Bayo ended up struggling a little bit, as we spoke about, with the Acuna home run and then the RBI single by Eddie Rosario there in the sixth inning. Then the Sox had to find a way to come back, and Romel Tapia did just that with an RBI double to make it 3-2. to two. And Then Tristan Cassis continued to impress at the plate, showing off his power, smacked a two-run bomb to make it 5-2. to two. And I think that ball went like 460 or something like that, similar to as far as we saw from Acuna as well. That ball was out of there the second it hit the bat. I mean, the swing was incredible. The power behind it was incredible. And he just showcased, like, this is why you need to be patient with people like him. And we've, we've talked about that episode after episode about the patience is there. The on-base percentage is there. The average, yes, it needs some work. But this is why you stay patient with someone like him. He is such a visual hitter. He's such a very, you know, I, I mentioned, like, J.D. Martinez being a trained hitter in a previous episode. It's kind of like that where you're just, you know, you're training yourself. You're visualizing yourself. You're really, like, you're, you're seeing every single pitch. That's exactly what he does. And I... I just love what I've seen from him, from the patience, from the power. And, you know, we've been hard on Jaron Duran on this show, and understandably so. And he's certainly been at the end of a lot of criticism since stemming from last year and everything that he kind of, you know, went through. And what a 180 he's done. And whether that's, you know, all credited to Dustin Pedroia, of course, he's the one who put in the work as well. Seeing him be able to really contribute to this team, add some insurance and, really just be a, a big factor to this team and somebody who's making a difference and not in a bad way. You know, he's making differences last year and it was just negative and just like ugly play after ugly play and getting into it with fans and to see him just completely do a 180 and just in, it looks like in all aspects of baseball. And I, I don't know anything about his personal life, but it certainly seems like he's in a much better spot is incredible and then of course Tapia just coming in off the bench pitch hit, pinch hitting that that RBI just as soon as I saw that I'm like they're winning this game like this is this is a fun game I like this this is how you this is how you take the lead this is how you take advantage of runners in scoring position it's how you take advantage of the people on your bench it was just it was great I had fun it was a lot of fun watching baseball and I think what we've seen from both Cassis and Duran, with, with Duran, I still semi-consider him to be a rookie. You know, he's, he's still young in his major league career. With both of those guys, seeing them both showcase a, a high level of patience, which you don't see from a lot of young hitters. We knew that about Cassis. That was something that Duran really changed a lot in terms of his play discipline coming into this season. But especially with Cassis, you know, especially after last night extending his on-base streak to 20 games. And he's one of only 12 players with an on-base streak of 20 games plus in 2023. So especially with him, you know, struggling throughout April and the beginning of May a little bit, it's been really nice to see, you know, him not show that on the outside. I think we see a lot of young guys pout as well as, you know, allow it to affect the rest of the team. And, you know, you've just seen Cassis night in and night out, even though, he may strike strike out three times. He's not showcasing that, you know, on the outside and allowing it to affect sort of his performance, even on defense. Because we also saw in this game as well, Justin Turner over at third base had some good plays, but the throws weren't very good at all. Skipped them. And as a first baseman, you got to be able to make those plays and pick them easily. You do. And I think this is why, you know, he's kind of that platoon option there. And I think that this is why they, they signed him to be more of the, the designated hitter than, than the everyday infielder. And, you know, that's going to happen when you have somebody at a position that they don't play regularly, that they're not 100% comfortable with. And, you know, it is what it is. The offense ended up coming back and bailing out any, you know, mistake or bad throw that the defense 
committed on Wednesday, and I'm <laughs> I'm glad it was the young the, the young stars and the newcomers to to really do it for the Red Sox. And I mean, pick and choose your battles, I guess, with a win. But I'm you know I'm I prefer if you know, Justin Turner makes those plays, of course. But I'm glad that it wasn't a deciding factor in the outcome of this game. And you know, I, I find it interesting too to to see him over there. I think. I don't want to know if this is a fact, but I think this is the first time we've seen him over at third base so far this season. And, you know, he's mainly obviously been the DH and the first baseman. I remember during spring training when they brought it up to him, he's, he's like, yeah, I'm going to very rarely be over there. So, you know, it's nice that, you know, he's getting his feet whipped back over at third base, gives Rafael Devers a little bit of some time off. Obviously we saw him come in and pinch hit there uh, and, and, kind of didn't really get his full day off but it's nice to be able to have some of that versatility on the team to be able to make that happen and you know we're not only seeing it in Turner's performance at the plate uh but also sort of you know a big reason why you know the Sox decided to bring Turner in rather than JD is that versatility and it's nice to be able to see that as well but um you know the Red Sox also made a few roster moves and there was also some injury updates as well uh but we're going to speak more about that uh, in our second segment, or excuse me, our third segment, uh, but Lauren just wants to take a second to talk to you about So Rare. So So Rare is a revolutionary, revolutionary fantasy baseball game and marketplace that transforms fans into owners with officially licensed digital cards featuring players from across all 30 MLB teams. So it's it's you know it's different than anything else that you've probably played, or maybe you're a big card collector. This is unlike any other fantasy baseball platform. So Rare managers truly own their fantasy experience, collecting, buying selling and you can also compete with player cards against global opponents and you win epic awards i know a lot of people on our locked on mlb channel are having a lot of fun playing so rare there's been a lot of back and forth the last few days in particular and one of the best parts about so rare is that there's no cost to play plus the more you win the more you advance collecting increasingly powerful cards and accessing next level competitions and rewards. Head to SoRare.com slash LockedOn, that's spelled S-O-R-A-R-E.com, to draft your team of free player cards, set your lineup, and start competing today to win epic rewards. Again, that's SoRare.com slash LockedOn to start playing today. So a name that I think we're going to bring up you know, throughout the years as somebody who had a very short stint with the Red Sox, somebody like, uh, you know, Al Maroche or, or uh, J- Jason Bay or something like that. But Zach Littell, I feel like we talked about him last week just getting signed or traded, excuse me, trade over from the Rangers to the Red Sox. And now he's being designated for assignment. And I, I feel like when the Red Sox made this trade, it was sort of already in a lot of people's mind. This was just a fill-in move. To, to essentially allow moving pieces to happen. And then, you know, once Paxton ultimately is bumped up, you know, Latell is going to get the bump down or the designated for assignment. But I think this also puts Brendan, Brendan Barnardino uh, in the clear, and he gets a few more weeks on the squad to continue to show what he could bring uh, to the Red Sox. But Latell ended up appearing in two games, allowing three runs over three innings with three hits and one walk allowed. And then also struck out too. And you know, with the James Paxton Paxton activation, now he'll either have the opportunity to potentially get traded from the Red Sox or they'll send him right back down. Yeah, I think that with Latell in, in particular, like we talked about this, like he was just here for a quick fill-in. And there unless he like dazzled in those two appearances, I didn't think he stood really a chance to be on this roster. And now 
I'm assuming he's going to pass through waivers. He'll probably just get outrighted to Worcester. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But uh, Bernardino, I'm, I'm excited. I'm intrigued, I should say. I'm, not, I'm intrigued to see what he can do and what, what the future holds for him because this bullpen looks good right now, right? Like you say for a few pitchers, there's really, you know, there's not a whole lot to complain about with who's in there and how does he fit in? I guess we're going to find out soon enough. And, you know, also looking at some other updates regarding the team, mostly, mostly in the injury department, I want to start off one that is a little bit concerning, but at the same time, it, it, it's reported that it's not a big deal. Brian Mata is currently dealing with a lat issue. Uh, he ended up getting taken out of his last Sox start uh, for precautionary reasons. And even going into that start and during that start, continued to struggle uh, with his control. Uh, he, he's somebody who... I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but he is around, you know, a, a nine uh, walk per nine uh, statistic and has really struggled a lot with his control throughout this season. And so curious to see if it is an issue with his lap that's been continuously happening throughout this season or, you know, is something that is leading to some of these struggles. But Cora said that uh, that they're continuing to wait to see um, how it can how it looks to feel over the next few days. He said he's going to stay with the team. We're going to reevaluate on Monday uh, when they come back. They're going to put him on the IL, but hopefully it's something that's only going to take a few weeks. So Mata, somebody who not only is a top Red Sox pitching prospect, but somebody who dazzled uh, throughout spring training and also a player that Cora also brought up could make an impact for the Red Sox throughout the end of the season uh, in 2023. So curious to see how he continues to recover uh, from that lat injury. But some other positive injury updates. Garrett Whitlock will throw a sim game tomorrow at Fenway and then re rehab uh, probably with Worcester uh, on Tuesday and could return after that. And I thought it was interesting last night watching uh, the Red Sox broadcast. Dave O'Brien as well as Moomer Loney are like, put him back in the bullpen. Yeah, I'm I'm not surprised that it that that came um, or that that's been a topic. I just think that you know, you look at who who's in who's in the rotation, who's in the bullpen, who's coming back, who's getting you know healthier and who's the odd man out. So, I'm I'm not surprised and I think that the Red Sox and we've talked about this too that they just they have tough decisions to make in the coming weeks and the coming days, really. And they need to figure out, you know, who belongs where. And we've stressed the importance of those defined roles. And I hope that once everyone is, is healthy and off the IL, that Cora does make those right decisions for the, the right people. And, you know, the bullpen has a lot of decisions to be made. You know, we've, we've obviously brought up Bernardino already. You know, uh, Brazier could potentially have a move coming uh, against him in the next you know few days or so. With Julie Rodriguez expected to be activated uh, by the end of the weekend. We've spoken about him uh, making a few rehab appearances in Worcester, recently made a rehab appearance in Portland as well. So he seems to be on his way coming back. And so curious to see what, what the move is, uh, you know, with him being activated at the end of the weekend. But, you know, we can do all we can to guess here, but most of the guesses that we've made throughout not only the beginning of the season so far, but also during the off season uh, have pointed to be wrong in terms of some of the roster moves on which guys are going to be sent down or DFA or et cetera. Yeah, I think that, I mean, the, it's a good problem to have, right? And I feel like this wasn't a problem that they had last year in terms of depth, in terms of kind of players to replace an injured player or somebody like a struggling player. And now it, there's just a, a plethora of them. And it's, again, it's a great problem to have. I just feel like a, a, it probably will be the case that a good player 
will be left off the not not left off the roster. It'll be the odd man out of that rotation of the bullpen of this of that forty man roster. And it's I'm really really intrigued to see how this is handled. Who gets the you know who gets the call so to say, and who gets the 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 notice to say hey like you've done great, but you're either going to Worcester, you're going to the pen, or we need to find a different role for you for this team. I think one guy that fans got to keep their eye on as well is, you know, Mondesi. He's on his way back in the next month or so. That's another 40-man roster move. And so even though, you know, we might get some answers regarding not only the bullpen, but in the rotation in the coming weeks, the shuffling seems like almost every single day, which, you know, gives, you know, people in Red Sox land a lot more to talk about. But, you know, if you want to continue to stay updated with the team, uh, over on Lockdown Red Sox. Make sure to subscribe to Lockdown Red Sox over on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we want to thank you so much for making Lockdown Red Sox your first listen of every single day. Now, for my everydayers, tomorrow on the show uh, is, is unfortunately my last episode um, on the podcast. And, you know, it, it's going to be one where we sort of reminisce on the best moments that Lorna and I have had uh, as co-hosts of Lockdown Red Sox over the last year and a half. So if, if you want some some uh, happy tears, some sad tears, as well as just some good moments and reminiscing uh, of, of this great podcast. Uh, make sure to tune in tomorrow. Um, and also, if you want to stay updated, everything that's happening regarding the podcast, make sure to follow Lockdown Red Sox over on Twitter. It's LO underscore Red Sox. Myself, it's at Jake Iggy. And also my co-host, Lauren, is La La La. Three laws, Lauren with four R's. But we'll end this episode how we always end it. Keep the faith, stay positive, and let's go Sox. Peace.